sir. Thank you all for being here. It's it's nice to see people. A couple of weeks ago, it was it was a pretty sparse crowd, and uh, it was a little unusual because you felt like I'm talking to no one who's here. I needed the little cardboard cutouts like they've been using at events. <laughs> it would have made me feel better. Um, yeah, thanks, Keith, for uh, kind of walking us into the second session of Futuring, and you know. Last time we talked about planning and prepping, and this is all thoughts around going into 2021. You know, we've, we've, we're almost done with 2020, and all these people are like, great, I'll be glad when this year is over and we can get started on a new year. And it's like, but what if? And so when Keith and I were talking, it, I kind of fell into these four sections of planning and preparing, and then uh, the next two are hope, and purpose, so those are gonna be positive, stick with us. But today, this is again where Keith said, I have my wisdom and my insight. I'm gonna talk about worry. Because again, you know, you turn to what you know, right? Um, and, it's, and I called it worry in the band, worry, anxiety, stress, fear, and dread. You know, it's, it's all of those things all brought together. And I'm gonna speak in a lot of generalities, but it comes from a similar place. And to start out with, let's go to Matthew 6, 19 through 34, and you're gonna be familiar with these verses. And I'm just gonna kind of hit some highlights in here. This is Jesus talking to us saying, don't store up treasures here on earth. And he goes into, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. And I'm like, okay, all right. And then I fast forward a little bit further. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life no, I guess they can. You know, and then he tells us more, talking about clothing and wildfire, uh, wildflowers and then fires. And he says, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? And then he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Right. But, and that's when I want us to stop. Because if you're one of those people that ever finishes a verse or you feel the Spirit's talking to you and your reaction is, yeah, but we need to stop ourselves for a second. Have you been there? You know what I'm talking about? And this kind of gives you some insight into who I am. My wife would probably say that I'm an arguer. It's my natural instinct to start looking. I've got friends nodding yes. You know, it's my natural instinct to start digging in and questioning and asking more. And when you think about who's talking in those verses I just read, is it smart to be saying, yes, but Jesus Come on. And we've got to just stop a little bit. And as I shared, you know, planning and preparing, I like to be a planner. When you think you're a planner, you think you're in control. And that's, nothing's further from the truth, right? And in my job, I do risk and insurance. And what we do is look at the historical perspectives and we try to forecast what's coming and then prepare accordingly 
either financially or through practice or try to prevent it. We do all of those things, and that's where I fell into this word futuring. I've been hearing a ton about it this year. Everybody's talking about futuring, and to give you just a little insight, it goes back to post-World War II. They started bringing scientists and smart people into the room and saying, what could happen now? with science and technology and everything else. And it has evolved to where it's a job. You can be a futurist. You can sit there and tell people what's happening. But guess what? It's like a meteorologist. You're not going to be right. And God knows we want to know what the future holds, right? God knows that's a desire for us. And we try to plan and we try to prepare. And in doing all of that, we tend to worry, or we get fearful. So as I talked about preparing and thinking about all those things, one of the things that jumped out to me was the recognition that God knows the plan, wants us to just trust him. And even more importantly, the thing that jumped out to me is he puts within us the Holy Spirit. Now, right, the Holy Spirit. Does the Holy Spirit know the plan? Absolutely. And that Holy Spirit is in with us So we should just have faith in and trust in that. And in Matthew, he tells us, don't worry. And yet, how many people are my worriers? I saw a couple of people nodding. Are anybody here a worrier? Thank you. Come on, admit it. You think about it. And in this session, what I want us to do is really dig in to start out on what it means when we start debating and arguing with the words of Jesus in any situation how we have to change a little bit on that, how we have to rewire ourselves. It's okay to read scripture. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to ask these things of God, but not because God is slow and he's not doing it in our timing. We don't wanna do that. We don't wanna ask these things because we think we can change his plan and his purpose. And we don't wanna ask these things because God needs to hear from us because he doesn't know right? Those are the things we don't want to do. But the digging in and these arguments and he's asking these questions is for our purpose, not for his. I'm not doing it for him. I'm asking for me. And there are benefits to honest disputes with the Lord. It comes out of Job uh, 23, 4 through 7. And Job says, I would lay out my case and present my arguments. Then I would listen to his reply and understand what he says to me. Would he use his great power to argue with me? No, but he would give me a fair hearing. Honest people can reason with him, so I would be forever acquitted by my judge. So at these moments when our first reaction is yes, but, we need to do three things. We need to take time to search our hearts for the, prayer, for the motivation and attitude. And that's where I found Psalm 139, 23 through 24. And if you don't have the handout, Keith's got them. And those of you who are online, we'll make sure we have that attached as well. But Psalm 139, 23 through 24 says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. Okay. If you could take that moment and ask yourself after your yes, but question, there's your first thing. The second thing is have this conscious realization you're talking to a God who is. You're not just debating with yourself. You're speaking to God who is. He listens. He cares. He loves us. 
And if you take that second moment to recognize that, it leads you then to the final point of your argument and your question and say, thank you. Recognizing that he is the God who wants to help us grow closer to him. And that's what comes out of this. So as I'm thinking about 2021 and futuring and modeling and thinking forward, we start looking in our hearts and we start worrying and being fearful of the unknown. Because heaven knows when we started out 2020, we didn't know what this year was going to look like. But as we look for it and we start questioning, we're arguing with Matthew 6, where I started out, right? And then we have to ask ourselves, realize, is there... Is my heart in the right place of what I'm worrying about? I have to realize that God is there, truly exists, and that he listens and cares. So as I said, we're gonna hit all these categories and speak about them in very generalized terms. You know, fear and worry and dread and anxiety. And someone with a psychology degree can probably tell you the nuances of all those. That's not what I mean to do here. I mean to more look at it from a lay person and look at what the Bible gives me as guidance when I start into that argument. And the recognition that fear and worry is a a built-in wiring. It's a natural instinct to us that protects us. We are supposed to have that that response to a perceived threat. It's the fight or flight reaction. You know, if I'm scared of that lion right there, I should react. But the problem is, is that if it becomes so big and so overwhelming, we freeze, right? And that's the challenge is if we just become incapacitated, we're in trouble. So worry and fear and all of these things are, the definition, let me look at that. It's a response to a certain stimulus occurring in the present or an anticipation or expectation of a future threat. Now that second part there is what the challenge is is we start anticipating or expecting the future threat. And what did we talk about the future? Do we know what it holds? We don't, right? So I'm sitting here worrying and I'm afraid of these things that we don't even know what's gonna happen. And I'm trying to figure out if I'm gonna fight or I'm gonna run or I'm gonna freeze. And I don't even know what the future holds. And we tend to look at that. And when we worry or when we have fear, our bodies are wired to react certain ways. We release hormones that cause certain things. Our bodies shut down functions we do not need for survival, like your digestive system. It starts saying, okay, I'm not needed at this point to get away from that threat. So it starts shutting down. And at the same time, those things you do need, eyesight, your eyesight becomes extremely uh, just responsive because it's one of those things you will need. Blood flow and heart rate increase. And our body increases the flow of hormones to an area of the brain known as the amygdala. And when those start going there, our brain starts wiring and saying, okay, lions are bad when they're in the room with us. Let's put that away for future memory and we're gonna store that thought, right? And so that starts happening every time, and we start creating this record, this bookmark, and that's really important to think about because as we're talking about paradigm shift, 
We are wiring ourselves every time we're afraid of something, we're worried about something, we're creating a shortcut and a pathway in our brain. If you worry excessively, back to that whole you know, freezing situation, it can affect your physical health, your immune system, it can cause heart issues, it can cause gastrointestinal issues such as ulcers, uh, irritable bowel syndrome, decreased fertility. It can accelerate aging, and some of us are getting older fast enough. We don't want it any faster. And then even premature death, that if you sit there just because of worry grinding on you, it destroys your physical body because of the way we're wired and the way we react. It can impact memory. Memory was the thing it can impact. Um, <laughs> So you have, to, you have to recognize that, you know, the way our brain processes and our memory works, worry and fear can also impact those long-term. It can also impact our mental health. And, and again, you know, we've all heard about people with post-traumatic stress syndrome. You know, that's where the brain has created a very strong bookmark tied to certain things. It's why soldiers can go out on a foggy morning. There may be no threat around them at all, but if they went through a difficult event when fog was out there, the brain triggers it and they feel the emotion they felt at that moment. And when we get into this overactive state in our brain, it's called the amygdala hijack. That part of our brain that gets the hormones, it takes over and it jumps in and starts having us react. It gets away from rational processing. And I'm gonna talk about that a little bit more because rational processing is, is one of those things that requires us to take a moment, and, and you think about the breakdown of the word rational, you ration the thought and you restructure it. It's something we have to be aware of. But throughout our day, we store all these details throughout all these things, and the sights, sounds, odors, time of day, weather, and all of this comes in and our brain catalogs it and ties it to that worry or that fear. So one of these things becomes a predictor of the threat that we know is not going to happen. And we'd like to think I'm a rational creature. I will be able to sit here and make a decision based on the moment I'm in, based on the situation around me, and I'm going to pause and just think about it. Now, if there is a car speeding toward me and I'm standing there processing it, is that what we need to do? And that's the challenge, is there certain things, there's certain wired and basic behaviors that we have to balance between the moment where you sit there and, wait a minute, car stop, I have to pray over this or think about it for just a minute. <laughs> and it, that's the challenge here. Um, in 2002, a group of psychologists won a Nobel Prize for work they did back in the 70s, and it was on prospect theory. And if you think about something that's a prospect, it's out in the future, something that's going to happen. And they started using these words, and forgive me if I mispronounce it, but it's called heuristics, H-E-U-R-I-S-T-I-C-S. And that's this shortcut that we create, these bookmarks in our mind that tell us that's what we should do in a potential situation, what the prospect of the future that holds for us. And there were a couple of them that I found kind of interesting out there. Um, one's called the automation bias. We open up Netflix or whatever thing you use, and it pops up there a menu. And I assume that what I see is going to be the same thing as what Scott sees when he opens his menu. Guess what? 
artificial intelligence works. It looks at what he's watched in the past, looks at what I've watched. It starts calculating, figuring these things out. So our menus are altered, alternated and adjusted for who we are based on AI. And what happens is, is we start trusting that. And that's this automation bias. There's another one called the Google effect. And that's where you look up something on Google. It's who did that song? Who did that song? You look it up, you find the artist who did it, and you walk away. And there have been tests to show that you don't store that in your brain because you know it's in Google. So it's why do I have to store it? And these, these biases or these th heuristics are good things. They create pathways that we can operate more effectively and more efficiently, but we also need to be sensitive to them. And I put in the handout a link that you can just, if you Google it, you can see, I just said it, Google it. Um, if you look out there, you can find a list of these. There may be more than 200 of these things out there. And the link I get, gave you shows about 50 of them. But these are important for us to prioritize thoughts at any moment. But it's also important for you to be able to look at it and go, do I really want to just trust that Google has it? Or what if I don't have Google in the future? What do I need to do with it? So if we know these shortcuts are out there, you have to ask yourself, well, what do they have to do with worry and fear and doubt? What do they do? What do they have to do with any of it? Well, because they are tied to this particular memory, we tend to draw on them when those moments happen. So in an article way back in January 2020, do you remember January of 2020? There was talk of this thing, COVID. And it said in the, this global health emergency was gonna have two issues. It said there's concern about the disease, but even greater is the concern about our fear of the disease because we've been through it before. And we've seen these others. So does anybody remember the West Nile virus in 1999? 19, that's 21 years ago, but you all remember the West Nile virus. SARS, 2003. Ebola in 2014. Zika in 2015. All these phrases come to mind, right? All of these things happen, but why do we remember them? Did anybody in this room have any of those at that point? In all likelihood, probably not. And so we remember them because at that point in time, there was all this social media coverage of this unknown thing and created this fear, and we mapped it. We put it in our brain. And that same mapping is if I said, where were you on 9-11? Your brain goes to where you were, and it creates this bookmark. And that's why we have to be very careful when we have those things in the past. The scarier an experience, the more deeply we encode it into our memory and the more readily it pops back up in our conscious thought when something similar comes along. Cognitive scientists call this the availability heuristic. It's what's readily available. It's what we jump to first as we reach into that filing cabinet of our brain. But then the question is, is what makes some risk and some things scarier than others? And it turns out that we tend to instinctively worry about new risks that we're not familiar with more than those we've already been exposed to. Something that is new is something that we've never been through, we don't understand it, we lack knowledge, and it makes us feel powerless. And we don't have control over it because we haven't been through it. 
So now do you see where again, I go back to, I said it last week, I said something about planning versus prepping and we wanna control. Here's another situation, we want to control. There's another thing that's in this, it's called the social amplification of risk. And this is another bias we have to be careful of. If all of us were staring at that tree and we looked with our eyes wide open and our eyebrows raised and somebody walked in, where do you think they're gonna look? That tree. They don't know why, but we tend to look around and say, what's the social group around us doing? And that's what we try to turn to. And it just feeds on ourselves. And this risk is a feeling that is very real. I don't want to belittle anybody's worrying, but over-worrying can be dangerous, but under-worrying can be as well. You know, there are certain things we need to worry about. And I just told you that we tend to over-worry about the things that are less familiar, but we tend to under-worry about the things that are more familiar. If I brought up the flu, there are people every year that just don't get the vaccine, choose not to, because we've had it how long? Year after year after year. And you can already see a little bit of that with the COVID situation. You know, the second wave that we're going through, it's like, well, we've we kind of got through it, but we, we need to be mindful of it, right? And so if we're under-worrying, the other thing that I thought was just, that jumped out to me in the example of under-worrying, and we're dealing with that in the insurance world, texting and driving. There's nothing more dangerous than being behind your car and looking at this. But how many people do it? Every day. And you probably see them because you're looking at them in the car and judging them. Um, but that's an example of, again, under worrying, we have to be very careful. But our risk perceptions, our perceptions of what's going to happen, are subjective, they're emotional, and sometimes they can be error prone because we're following these biases. We're following these little shortcuts that we've placed in there. And as we want to avoid having these shortcuts hijack our brain, I wanted to spend a little time looking at what do we do differently? How can I change this pattern? How can I break out of this behavior? And when I told you the three things you do when you answer the yes, but, it's kind of the three things I want us to also look at and, and talk about worry and fear today. You know, the first thing I said was search our hearts. And the, again, I tried to put these in order. Be present. You know, just be in the moment. Search your heart. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Second one is be praying. Connect with God was something I said. Realize he is. He is there. And then lastly, be positive. Be thankful. And that is really hard when you're worried about something. You don't want to be thankful. So let's break those down a little bit. We don't know what tomorrow holds, much less the new year. We do not know the plans he has for us, but at this moment, at this time, we can be present. And, and as a planner, um, I want to think about all the possible outcomes, right? I want to think about everything that can happen. How many outcomes can happen on each decision? Is it four, 20? It's an infinite number, right? Everything we do can just keep branching out. And if I sit there and think about should I pick up that phone or not? Could it, could it hurt me? Could I, could I possibly take a picture of something silly? What, you, know, you start taking that. You've now disconnected from the moment. And so that's why we have to be present. 
And if you think about it, imagine driving. Those of you that drive, imagine driving if everything you did was sitting there worrying about the infinite number of alternatives. Do I push on the gas or let off the gas? You know, there's certain things that are instinctive, right? And that's why, again, this balance between what we can do now and looking ahead and taking the next step without sitting there and thinking through just the infinite number of potential things that can go wrong. Um, any of you all checking your calendar lately the night before, number one, to figure out what day you just finished. <laughs> but secondly, do I need to put on clothes tomorrow? Do I need to shower or is it a baseball cap kind of day? Um, you know, it, if you start thinking about those things the day before, that's not planning the day to excess. That's preparing for the day, right? Because I don't know what the day is going to hold, but if I can prepare according to what's ahead, and that's okay. And God knows that and says to us, it's okay, prepare. I've given you these tools. I've given you these things to look at. And as I talk about worrying and the things that drive us into fear, um, it's important to remember those tools. It's important each day to take the time to recognize who you are, where you are, and assess the known aspects of your life. And how many of you do that each day? I mean, I'm judging myself here. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. If you said that to start each day, what could it do differently? Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Different fear there, by the way, than the one I'm talking about with worry. Fear the Lord, respect the Lord, and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Being present in the moment creates this balance between where our heart is, our emotions are feeling, and where our head is. And sometimes we just have to be example that the uh, be careful that these biases and these shortcuts don't hijack what we do. And this is another element here, just to remember, this is not just an earthly human issue. We are in the midst of a spiritual battle. We have to be mindful of that as well. If you're in the moment, you can be feeling great one day, everything feels right, and then life happens, whatever it is. You know, someone hurts your feelings. Satan sets you up to steal your joy at that moment. Your feelings lie to you, and we have to pull back and get adjusted again. We all have those days, and to guard against this anxiety, we have to renew our minds each day. We almost have to renew our minds moment by moment through the course of the day, especially if you feel like you're under attack from Satan. He'll try to make us think of all the junk we didn't do the day before. He'll try to make us think of all the things that are coming we don't know about. He is going to try to invade our thoughts. So we have to make a conscious effort Prepare to be ahead of him each day. And God has given these tools, these amazing gifts to us in his word to recognize that Satan's lying. He's out there just lying to us. So stop being anxious. Philippians 4.13. Is that a memory verse for anybody? Somebody, somebody shout it out. I can do... Right, I can do all things, not some of the things. I can do all things through Christ. 
You have to be able to get out of bed each day and find the motivation. You have to get into that dwelling place with Jesus. Psalm 91.1, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Even if, if you just take that time, the day, of you, the day ahead of you could be just crazy busy and filled with a to-do list a mile long but you can remain at peace if you think about being under God's wing and under God's presence through the course of the day. So whether you're struggling with anxiety or not, whether you worry or not, you have to always remember, God desires for you to, to pursue peace, 1 Peter 3.11. He desires for you to learn to cast your cares on him, Psalm 46.10, and he desires us to he desires to turn our ashes, our mistakes and errors into something beautiful, which is in Isaiah 61.3. So the question is, is how do you stay in the moment? How do you stay in the word? Anybody have anything they do individually? I'm curious. Keith was talking a little while ago about the quiet time each morning. What, do you have any tools that you've turned to personally? I... Uh, I as you're thinking about it, I've in the past, I've not wanted to put the fish on the back of my car. It's a long story. I just don't want to be judged, and I don't want to discredit God as a, if I accidentally cut somebody off. But about two years ago, I was finding the road rage in Nashville, Tennessee was creeping up on me. And so I, I started putting a cross, and I found these crosses that have the Lord's Prayer. They have the, the memory verse that we just talked about. They have different verses and I have them hanging from my rearview mirror. And when I start feeling like I can, I can cut through there, I can take them, I can make that pass, I can do that thing. Why are they there? They're, they're pushing me. I just kind of have that as a reminder to me to just say, okay, be in the moment. It's not worth it. Um, when an anxious thought came to our, comes to our mind, when we start having a moment where we worry, what would it do different for us if we envision putting it at the foot of Jesus on the cross? Think about those shortcuts I was talking about. You talk about rewiring the way you think, and it's, it, that's what we can do. God's word lets us do it. Psalm 42.5, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will praise him, my Savior and my God. Philippians 4.19, um, Hebrews 13.6, and I, I like this one. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What if you said that at the moment you started thinking about all the things that could go wrong? If you just stopped right there, being present in the moment and said, God is my helper, I won't be afraid. You talk about creating a different bias here. And you have to understand that this is, God has given this us the ability to have a sound mind and to be in self-control. And so we should be present. And that requires some rational thought. It requires us to change the wiring that we've had our whole lives, some of us. So be present. The second one is be praying. I said, bring it to God. And in those moments where you feel yourself Chasing out down the field, you're thinking about all the things that go wrong. Pull yourself back. Pull yourself back to the present and understand there's more you can do. If the lion jumps out, I am going to scream. 
I will guarantee you, it will be my first physical reaction. I can't control it. So how many of us at the point when we're afraid or we're worried, cry out to God, right? And that's what he's saying. Call on me, come to me in prayer. It may not be that moment where you actually stop and bow your head, but it's that moment where you just remember, he is with me. Don't overthink, don't overreact, just seek his presence. The things that can cause anxiety and worry, and, and just as I say these things, you probably all have these. Conflict, anybody in here ever have conflict? Never. Yes, you do. Health problems, dangerous situations, death, unmet needs, spiritual problems, false belief, there's all these things, and there's nothing wrong with realistically trying to acknowledge and deal with the problems of life. It's okay to recognize they're there. To ignore danger is foolish and wrong. But it's also wrong and unhealthy to be immobilized by excessive worry. If we're sitting there thinking about all these things in the future that may never happen, that's just as wrong. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 is one to look at. Romans 8, 26 through 28. And I found this little rhyme. I'm not a poetry person. Um, but I liked it just because it was something different. When I fear, I need God here. Who needs to hear it? Holy Spirit. <laughs> right? I put it there for you. When I fear, I need God here. Who needs to hear it? Holy Spirit. And then at that point, just say, help me, Jesus. And, I, and as I'm preparing for this, you know, my wife asked me, she said, are you, are you worried? Are you nervous about, you getting worried about your lesson you're teaching? I'm like, I'm not allowed to. I'm, I'm preparing this lesson. So 1 Peter 5, 7 says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you, Right? Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. That's Philippians 4, 6. Don't be anxious about anything. By prayer and petition, he says. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. Psalm 55, 23 through 20, 22 through 23. And I'm sorry I'm hitting these so fast, but I want to make sure that they're out there for you. Psalm 34, 4. I like this one too. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. Psalm 139, the whole thing. So again, be present. Just don't chase down the field too far. Be praying. And then the last one is be positive. Just, and I use the term positive just because it fits in with the rhyme, you know, the, the alliteration. But the reality is, is, it means a lot to recognize what we've been given. It just changes again that wiring. Um, what if you're in the middle of that day and you're anxious and you're feeling stress and you could say to yourself, I am one of God's children. I am an heir to his kingdom. If, if that would just change it all, wouldn't it? It doesn't have anything to do with Google or what the society around me is doing. It helps change me. And it's not to belittle the anxiety or the fear or the worry that we feel. It's very real. I could turn to you and say, you worry too much. I don't know that. 
It's personal. It's, it's in each one of us. Maybe you're not worrying enough. And I'm not telling you that to make you worry. I'm just saying it's very much a personal thing. And we have to be sensitive to that because it's what we're dealing with, but we're not dealing with it alone. And that's the blessing here. That's the thing we need to be positive about. Some of us have been worriers our whole lives. We worried about um, whether our parents are gonna come home. We worry about our grades. We worry about people. We care about getting sick. Um, we were worrying so much, and I remember this growing up. My parents would say, stop worrying or you'll get an ulcer. Now I'm worried about what is an ulcer, <laughs> right? And so it's, it's somewhat... It's just who we've been. And we've got to figure out how do we replace these anxious thoughts to find peace. We have to replace our fears, anxieties, defense mechanisms, controlling behaviors with prayer, scripture, and thanksgiving. Be thankful. Our brains are just not wired to stop thinking about things because we tell them to. These shortcuts and everything we've established are there. They're very real. It's like a computer when we, you know, you have to defragment it and, and really reprogram the hard drive. And that's what these things are supposed to do. That's what I'm hoping we can do here is start replacing the worry with the word. Start looking at other things. Find these verses. Isaiah 41, 13. For I hold you by your right hand, I, the Lord, your God, and I say to you, don't be afraid. I am here to help you. Replacing your negative thoughts with God's word is awkward, though. It's like somebody walking up to you. You've been your whole life a right-handed person, right? And they say, start writing left-handed. Now, I know how to spell. I know the process. I know everything about it. But have you ever tried to do it? It's, it takes time. It takes retraining. And that's what this is about. There's an element here of retraining our brain to think a different way. And we've got to let God's truth override our feelings. And over time, the more we speak God's word, the more we bring him into the presence and we bring that positive recognition of who we are, the more natural it becomes. Satan wants us to be worried and distracted. Um, those keep us from the moment, distract us from all good that's around us. And we need to get Satan out. Jesus, Jesus conquered Satan. No, maybe he will. No question whether it's gonna happen. He did it. He has done it. Satan is conquered. So if we're sitting there and we recognize what Jesus has done, what if we said, there is power in the name of Jesus, get this out of my head, right? Do you think that would help? We don't have authority because of anything we've done. We have authority because of what he has done. And that's one of the best tools in the toolbox as I'm thinking about things to deal with worry. Thank God for that every day. And, and this is hard for me. Walk in that authority, Imagine if you got up each morning knowing Jesus has power and he's given it to me. Satan be gone. Worry be gone. Just standing up and physically walking each day with that mindset and just say, no, this isn't going to go. I'm not going to go down that path. When I fear, I need God here. Who needs to hear it? 
Holy Spirit. All right. So if you're sitting there in, at some point in your life and you're saying, I can't make sense of why I'm worrying, um, and it's real. I mean, you know, those of you online, and, and I've been through these things. I've had friends who've walked to the, just a difficult time, and I've watched what it's done to their lives. And I'm not trying to belittle the situation. It's just recognizing that we're in a battle, a battle in what we've programmed our brains to do and be and how we operate, a spiritual battle that's around us. But there's also an element of maybe God wants to show a display of his glory through our healing and restoration at this point in time. And we just need to take the time to say, right now, I'm gonna turn to him I'm gonna ask him for help, and then I'm gonna thank him for being there. Doesn't mean I'm gonna get past whatever it is. I'm just gonna thank him because I know he's with me through it. You know, we've been talking about going forward and all this and uh, talking about the future, and one of the things that jumped out to me is I can sit here and talk about what Scripture says, and I still have that yes, but moment. And it's not meant to alleviate the problem. We can't put it off. Guess what? Procrastination will generally raise your anxiety level. Putting things off that we need to do, things we need to change, things we need to just be aware of, putting them off will cause us to have even more worry, which just spirals and spirals and spirals. But in this lesson, I told Keith, I wanted us to all look at Psalm 23. And as I read it here, I just want you to visualize these clues that God gives us why we shouldn't worry and shouldn't be fearful. The Lord is my shepherd. Do you think the sheep worry about what's going on? They got the shepherd worrying for them. I have all that I need. He lets me rest Rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will, I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Be present, be prayerful, be positive. Let's, let's close in prayer if we could. God, we just come to you at this moment, in this moment, and I think about the people in this room, I think about friends and family, I think about those that are online, Lord, and to just share the words and, and throw out the thoughts and the ideas is easy, but we're trying to overcome thousands and thousands of years, Lord, of how we've been wired and what the world tells us we should do and how we're supposed to behave and what Satan wants us to do. And we just need to recognize that we've got to turn it over to you. 
We've got the Holy Spirit in us, Lord. We are your children, empowered, and we will overcome it. But just step in, Lord, at that moment where our brain starts taking the wrong shortcut. We start jumping down the wrong path. And just be with us and give us that positive influence and energy we need. And God, those people that are online or anybody who hears these words, if they need help, Lord, just have them ask someone. Get us off of our thrones and and put ego aside and just say, I don't know what to do. And just bring us help. Let them hear another voice. Let them cry out. Let them know not only you, but there are others they can talk to, be it a pastor, be it a teacher, be it a doctor. Just guide them, Lord, to get help and don't put it off. Fear and worry are real, Lord. But in every type of trouble, in every situation, we just need to ask and you will be there. Let us be reminded of that, Lord, that your presence is always and forever. Amen.